0: Hello, Musai Collective. I'm your host, Lindsay Cabrera, and welcome back to this week's episode. I hope you're harnessing this pink full moon energy coming up this Saturday and getting into your creative groove. If you feel like dancing and unleashing that wild woman inside of you, don't forget to check out our SoundCloud page featuring curated Musai mixes from female DJs around the world. You can find us at Musai underscore collective. This week, you'll be meeting Syra Hussein a holistic henna practitioner, artist, energy worker, art director, and radical self-worth advocate. As a holistic henna practitioner and vessel of creativity, she has integrated the ceremonial ways of henna, aromatherapy, and energetic modalities to help her clients evoke their own self-compassion while addressing their emotional blockages. While avidly learning TCM and Shiatsu practices, Saira is a highly enthused lifelong student where she is often seen researching about the human brain, alternative medicine and reversing the symptoms of parkinson's disease today we discuss holistic henna the importance of self-worth reactivating the feminine self and much more this holistic henna musai is an artist to watch and you can follow her on instagram at breath of henna i hope you enjoy this episode and here's saira Hussein on the musai collective Hello, Saira. Welcome to Musai Collective Podcast. How are you doing over there today in Toronto, Canada?
1: <laughs> I am feeling at peace. I'm ready to take on the world. March is supercharged and I'm doing great. How are you? I'm great. It's so nice to connect with you today.
0: Big shout out to Carmelina, who was on the podcast recently and she connected us and she said, I absolutely must talk to you. And I'm so happy she connected us because I think there's so much to learn today. For our listeners, you are a holistic henna practitioner, artist, and self-worth advocate. And before we begin, can you please tell us what exactly is henna and the history behind it?
1: Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, it surely has convinced... Myself and the 25,000 other women that I've adorned in henna over the last, who I want to say like 10 years, evoking peace, tranquility, providing balance, harmony and patience. And henna actually is a plant. That is in a shrub-like form and it grows now presently in places like regions like Afghanistan, India, Pakistan in warmer climates. And the basically the, the leaves are taken out of the plant and they're actually grinded where the dye is then seen. Predominantly, And you mix it with essential oils. Now people do. Back then they were just using water and you could add oils to it to give it this really beautiful aromatherapy quality, but also just mixing it with sugar and a little bit of lemon juice. If again, you are able to have those citrus ingredients in there, it creates a really beautiful stringy paste. And back then it was, you I know, mean, over 9,000 years ago, we're looking at like Egyptian. So we're looking at, we've had people have, again, and research still is being done to find out where can I? actually started originally, but it goes back dated to like 9,000 years ago where like Cleopatra um, was adorning her body as a ritual of beauty. They would preserve the nails um, of the mummies of, of the individuals before mummifying them so that their, their nails could be preserved because it provides a sort of bombing encasing. And, and what's really great too is that um, back as the seeds migrated, as we know that plants do migrate, right? You don't just find lavender in Russia, but you find it in other areas of the world. As plants migrate, as seeds migrate, so do the cultural. So we see different cultural languages and different cultural regimes and traditions. And so then it, as it moved to the Mesopotamia, the Middle East, South Asia, the Persian Gulf, back in the day, you can see now that henna was being used to cool the feed as individuals were walking on hot, hot sands or climates, balancing the nervous system. It was used for children to help heal jaundice and also for stomach infections as, uh, henna was then used as like an herb to make like a poultice. If you're familiar with like compresses and all those things, it was also used as, as, as a form of an ointment as well to heal. And, and it's just so incredible to see henna now where, uh, as you know, in the, in the Mughal times and where you've probably seen henna most used is at celebrations and fairs and weddings and you know traditionally too for myself for a really really long time being born and raised here in a bicultural landscape in like hamilton ontario <laughs> where my family's pakistani and i grew up very pakistani muslim you know hannah's used in ramadan as a celebration on predominantly women now everyone uses it, it as a celebration to after completing a ritual so we fast for 30 days for Diwali, the festival of lights in marriages where basically back in the day princes kings queens were acknowledged in a form of portraits on their hands uh, in the Mughal dynasty to the Rajputs eras and to show like two powerful families coming together where then you see these beautiful portraits of symbols and agriculture and their riches first on their hands. So henna really has transitioned quite a bit.
0: It's gorgeous. And I think I'm mostly familiar with seeing it from weddings, Indian brides, as well as the festival circuit, you know, people getting into the, the mood and getting the henna decor on their hands or on their body anywhere really and you know it's so intricate and delicate and feminine and I love it so I'm really excited to get into this today can you share with us your origin story and where did this all begin for you like when did you first actually truly connect the artistry of Hannah and when did you decide to make this a holistic practice
1: I mean honestly I can Definitely start off with acknowledging that my past self is so, so, so grateful for all the opportunities to A, first be able to share my story. And as I'm now sharing my story, it's almost, and as I'm healing my old wounds and my present wounds, I'm noticing that I'm so, I'm so grateful for scarcity. I'm so grateful for that because as someone who is learning how to be a little bit more self-compassionate with themselves each and every single day, I have every right. And I think, I think the time to acknowledge how Hannah has, has imparted its wisdom, but also it, its companionship in my life. You know, it's, it's been so challenging. Growing up, you know, I grew up in Hamilton, Ontario. Again, as I mentioned, Ramadan. My first, first time I met henna, <laughs> was exposed to henna. It was actually in one of those like metal foil cases of henna. So they were like a really, really long cone the size of like half your arm. And it was basically, oh my God, the impurity. There were like textile dyes. There was black henna, which has like PPD, ammonia. It's really dangerous for the skin. It actually crosses your can cross your, your epidermis and go into your bloodstream causing like third degree burns. Like there's so many, you know, chemicals in there that cause skin burns and damage. Yeah. And so I recall celebrating it every single Eid. And as a young artist, a street artist, I needed money to like fund, you know, my undergrad at the time was OCAD. Being an artist wasn't a you know, very popular career choice at the time. And I still feel like a lot of artists are struggling to be acknowledged because, you know, A, you want to work with the heart. You want to use your emotions to express logic and, you know, and all these incredible opportunities to help heal and also to traverse ourselves in the world. But also as I was enrolling into OCAD, I we struggled significantly with with almost facing poverty as a family and that happened multiple times and that toxic cycle wasn't recognized until I got married and when the pandemic hit and that's when I really recognized that oh good lord I need to pivot because the events industry is no longer present and if something does happen to this you know celebratory ceremonial space or these spaces or people stop celebrating and I don't have a marketing vision for my work then what are people actually going to be needing like what is henna's And so going back to when I was about 19 to 21, I suffered with insomnia. I suffered with chronic anxiety, you know? It was more than the GAD diagnosis. It was more than the ADHD. It was chronic where I was working to a point where I was burning myself out. I was fully enrolled in school at the time, full-time at OCAD, taking a major and a minor, drawing and painting and a material art and design uh, minor. And I remember just like right after school, I had to go run off to like Brampton from Toronto by commuting because I wasn't driving and I needed to make sure that I, even if it was $200 Lindsay, I knew knew that I had to be there and I just yeah. wanted to make sure that I could get through it and pay off my school. Cause I had just been on probation because of what was happening in my family. And you know, for a long time, Lindsay, I blamed my dad, but the truth is that my dad didn't have the mental health support that he needed to acknowledge that he was going through depression, to acknowledge that, you know, your inner critic is of a, a very valid, valid reason why you're not doing well in your life. The conditioning, the financial, you know, adversities that he was coming from, you know, like my talk about this, my grandfather was demoted in Pakistan for doing, for fighting, for fighting for justice because he didn't accept a bribe for a new position. So, you know, those things, understanding that all came down. And Mm -hmm. as I moved through with Hannah, I was meeting other women, I was meeting them, asking them to share their stories, which gave me my own voice, you know, as, as a practitioner.
0: That's so amazing. Thank you for sharing. And, you know, as you mentioned, I think throughout this pandemic, a lot of us have learned more about ourselves and have had to push to another direction and, you know, pivot and maybe came out better in the other, on the other side. You know, I, I feel like, you know, maybe you wouldn't be where you're at with Hannah right now if the pandemic hadn't happened and it would probably be a whole different experience. And I can say the same thing, you know, with your henna practice, what kind of ceremonies and offerings do you practice with your company at Breath of Henna?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. There are so many ways that our ancestors, the indigenous women, you know, medicine women have been practicing ceremonies for for, thousands and thousands of years. And I think what's really beautiful is that even before applying for my, you know, my holistic health license as a practitioner or, you know, wanting to become a registered art therapist or a registered clinical counselor. Intuitively, I always knew that I was adorning women mainly because I wanted to see them celebrate their the reflection of who they truly are. And I think the basis of the foundation that I've always had is that for so long i wanted i wanted people i wanted validation from others to help me recognize my self-worth but it was always mirrored and always so easy to vocalize through henna so now with these ceremonies i offer you know the henna crowns, which are incredible for my cancer patients, those women who are fighting, you know, a a disease, a a chronic condition that has taken over their body, that has changed the chemistry, completely changed, you know, the way that they look at themselves. It's impacting their self-esteem. It's impacting their courage, their ability to to be resilient every single day. And henna allows me to help those women acknowledge their emotions And then choreograph this really beautiful landscape, this, you know, this vision for themselves, which is to see themselves as worthy without hair, to see themselves as worthy, even though, you know, they might have lost weight or gained weight to see themselves as worthy, even though they're facing poverty or financial losses. You know, I work with a lot of women's shelters as well, where I offer, you know, community workshops. These women are in between refugees migrating from, you know, toxic environments, you know, relationships. So another ceremony is a really beautiful Meridian Hannah ceremony, where the woman comes in and we talk about what her emotions are at play, what emotions that she's suppressing and where in her body is she not feeling, you know, needed or valued or how is she disassociated from her body because of work commitment, because she's a full-time mother and an entrepreneur and she has no time for herself. So that ceremony, the henna reading ceremony is beautiful as we incorporate, you know, moon water, as I spoke to you about, rose yes. water, and also the <laughs> lymphatic drainage, you know, to help mm-hmm. the nervous system. So there's a lot of ceremonies that we can say that are play, but the services that I provide are for those women that are... In the process of dealing with their grief and then also, and going towards that spectrum of, Hey, I see myself, I hear myself and being seen. And then there's the women that I help that are just want to celebrate, just are celebrating their love and their, and their marriage, their relationships, their work promotions, you know, their independence, their divorce, like, you know, and healing after a miscarriage or a loss of a loved one. So beautiful.
0: That is so beautiful. It sounds like you're really honing into this energy and bringing women back to their true selves, you know, a reminder of like who they are. As you said, you know, many women are wearing many different hats. Mother worker, volunteer, daughter, all of these hats. And they are so busy that they forget to take care of themselves as well as the cancer patients. You see these people may be coming from the beginning of their cancer journey or the end of their cancer journey, but you know, you want to Bring them back to their whole selves and remind them that you are worthy. And with the henna crowns that you do to help give these people that come to you strength and courage, can you tell us more about the ceremony of this and how what is that, what does that look like? (laughs)
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, they're, you know, my my usual clients have like a full chakra assessment. They go through an intake form, their medical history. We talk about all of these, you know, transitions that they faced in their life, focusing specifically on the one that's affecting them today. With my cancer patients, their immunocompire compromised. They've done the, you know, the, the walks back and forth, the stairs, they they've done all of the, they're, they're in a really difficult position where they can't just go home and meditate and cancer's <laughs> going to be gone. You know, I wish, we wish it was that easy where you could just meditate and affirm and manifest and do all these things and like go to a healing, you know, meditative bath or whatnot and just be like, yeah, I'm healed. I mean, I'm sure it is possible in in other ways, but for this one intimate moment that I am first acknowledged as someone who can help someone relieve their stress or their anxiety or, you know, their self-doubt or their fear that they're not going to make it tomorrow because it's cancer, And because of the way that cancer has been, you know, shown to the world, exposed to the world through media, right? For example, as we see the pandemic and how really it was just about why weren't we seeing like healthcare videos and like exercises, like, and the holistic modalities and TCM and all these alternative remedies that were actually helping people, you know, rebuild. That's huge. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Mm. I feel like this, 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 this henna service, this holistic ceremony is a celebration first of acknowledging that they are in a safe space. They are invited to be vulnerable. And if they cannot be vulnerable, that they're allowed, they're given the space in the room to just acknowledge and be present with their silence. I tend not to question them about how they're feeling. I just ask them what they need. And based on those needs, I create a really beautiful, again, we do like a really beautiful like hand bath, like a with moon water and rose water, we do the hand bath and make sure that there's no oils on the skin because then the henna won't penetrate in. Some women like to have now, they like to have their hands done or if they, again, it depends where they are in their phase of their cancer journey as well whether it's, you know, remission or if they've recovered or while in the chemotherapy phases as well. I tend to work around starting at where they're nearing the end of the chemotherapy, because in the middle of between, they're quite, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of hesitation. There's a lot of doubt. They don't know, Hey, is Hannah going to make this better? Or is it going to make it worse? A, I, I can't answer that, right? Because it's truly up to them. It's their own personal journey. So after we do the henna bath, we do the lymphatic drainage for their hands. I make sure that the henna that I make is made with intention. So there's loving energy. There's the rose quartz crystal that's involved, as I had mentioned. There's the tiger's eye crystal that now I put into all of my work, right? I love this. (laughs) Yeah, just really like (laughs) charging the henna, Mm, right? With with this beautiful power of courage and self-compassion. And then, of course, making sure that either the henna is without essential oils or it has essential oils in it. And essential oils that I use are, again, just the lavender and the lavender alpine and just like a a distilled version because I cannot use, you cannot use pure essential oils in your henna. Please don't do that. (laughs) Let's just put that out there. They can cause third degree burns in the Uh purest form. Right? So a lot of people don't have that knowledge of aromatherapy. And I think it's really important to come from that background and have that knowledge to be like, this is a person who has very gentle skin. Also your scalp, where most henna crowns are done or on your shoulders, your scalp has very, very thin, thin skin. So the, the, the thinness of the layer is not going to absorb the henna. So some people are like, oh my God, the henna didn't show. Well, you have to be, you have to acknowledge that this person is going to go through chemotherapy. You don't want a dark staining henna with a lot of additive ingredients in it. Because then it could compromise their health as well. So going through that, going through these beautiful rituals, acknowledging the affirmations, the state of presence, putting on meditative sounds, allowing them to usually just rest, be at peace. And just the photo shoots that we do after that. Oh my God. Those are so powerful, Lindsay. They look like warriors, Because we as women, we as people, we are warriors. We have those inner, we have that inner warrior inside of us. So the henna just basically helps to resurface. Bring it
0: out, resurface it. That's so beautiful. I'll definitely share some of these photos on my Instagram (laughs) so we can share this beautiful, beautiful ceremony. And something that we discussed the other day, you mentioned to me that henna can help choreograph our health and emotions. And what is the reason why for this?
1: (laughs) Absolutely. So, you know, you took the words right out of my mouth. You know, people are like, choreograph your emotions. That is amazing. I've always seen the way that I react to things and the way that, you know, I grew up was it was like we were performing since day one, you know, how we express, how we use our hands, how our jaw moves, like how our body moves. It's it's a dance. And I think what's really beautiful about that is that Hannah can help us express and choreograph our emotions because of the way that you know the the integration of healing. And therapy and art are all intertwined and interconnected into this, into this beautiful practice. A lot of people where if you if you do recognize the individuals that were the practitioners or that were the artists, you find them in the bazaars, the melas, the, the weddings, you know, you find these individuals in in bedroom tents, in you know, on the streets. We are performers, we are vessels curating the individual story. So to acknowledge that we have the ability to verse someone's, you know, narrative of life or perspective of life, and to also acknowledge that we can listen and then perform. I mean, it really is just an act of self-expression and I think that's what's really powerful about henna is that henna allows us to, to say so many other things or to not say anything at all. It it helps to, you know, almost balance our our hormones and put us into that parasympathetic nervous state where we are at rest, where we are at peace, where we are back with our breath. And I think with, again, uh, with aromatherapy, which is a huge part, solar aromatherapy with henna these days, that eucalyptus, which stimulates the nervous system, and then that lavender, which relaxes and allows us to breathe. Those two, I never really thought about it back then until I got into holistic health. And I was like, wait a second. So it's stimulating. (laughs) And even like eucalyptus bombs or like anything that we use, it's like it first you know, stimulates our nervous system. At first, feels really, really cold or something. Warmer and warmer and goes to our body temperature. So, how incredible is it that for so long we've been, you know, unfortunately dismissing henna, you know, and, and and this is my this is my goal in my life. And, you know, my 18 year old self comes back or my 11 year old self, we're just like, what is this? this? This is henna? Like it smells. And then I was like, wait a second. That's because it has the textile dye. Mm. That's it's it's um, It has rancid, the oils have gone rancid that are in the oil because it's on the shelf. You know, everything has an expiry date. When henna is on the shelf, it becomes perishable, right? Like it, it has to be. It's a natural plant. It has an expiry date. Once the plant is taken out of its roots and not watered or nourished, or the sun and you know photosynthesis and all that, you know, so many things start to happen to that plant and it dies. So why would we put want to put something that's dead, mixed with chemicals onto our body where we can then have a plant, Unfortunately, I'll grow it in our climate, but buy the powder, you know, purchase the powder. And then store it, you know, at at room temperature or in cooler spaces, air seal it tight, and then mix it when we need. But even that has an expiry date. Right. Right. So we need to look at how our crops are being grown. Because henna is also a crop, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's a plant, it's harvested. And then the leaves are dyed and and, uh, the leaves are crushed and you know they're sifted. And then that beautiful green avocado earth color comes out and you got to mix it with the oils and the water and there's a ratio. But for people to understand how to use it, you first have to understand, A, is the way that I'm using it sustainable and ethical? Where does it come from? Acknowledge it. And then for individuals who wish to use it, address it as... A vessel, a ligament. Like I honestly, people are like Cyril. It's like Hannah's connected to your body because you you work with it so much. Like I had a six-figure income in, in 2017 just by doing henna.
0: Wow! And people
1: are like, "Girl, how often did you work?" And I'm just like, "Well, it wasn't just the work. I kind of got addicted." Yeah. a problem that I had to like accept and acknowledge, and be like, "Oh my god, guys, I'm a workaholic." <laughs> I'm coming from scarcity because of all that, right? So yeah there's so much on that.
0: Okay, so I just want to clarify: there are two types of hennas being distributed out there. Then the Mm -hmm. chemical one and the organic one Mm -hmm. that's what I'm understanding here and also just like all of this information is so informative I I literally had no idea all of this existed yeah there's it's just so deep and Mm -hmm. I love how far you've gone to make this such a holistic beautiful experience like you are divine feminine you know you you're like exuding like you are (laughs) henna I do want to talk a little bit about why self-worth is so important, especially since you are a self-worth advocate. How does Hannah really reactivate that feminine self for someone?
1: Yeah. And I think I want to go back to my story a little bit again, where I never felt accepted. I felt that, you know, even being born and raised here, being born and raised in Hamilton, when I went out of the house as a kid, I was wearing, you know, the English frocks with the lace because honestly, I don't see that being Canadian at all. It's a very British thing. <laughs> um, you know, colonization played a really big part and plays a really big part in intergenerational trauma. I think going through and acknowledging, you know, first, I want to acknowledge that, you know, I did cause pain to to my parents. You know, I was a very difficult child. I was very um, unaware of what I was doing, what I was saying, who I wanted to be at the time. I just wanted to escape. I didn't know anything about taking accountability. Sometimes I knew what I was doing, but when I was doing things wrong, I knew that I was, and again, it wasn't like I was like, you know, doing the wrong of the wrong. I was just, I was experiencing things as as, as a kid, as a as a young, like teenager, adult. And I think, you know, scarcity really put me in place to acknowledge, you know, at the time, I think what it, what it made me think was that I was unworthy of a healthy, prospering life. And at the age of 19, I like, I mean, it's hard to say this too, but I tried to take my own life like at 19 Wow! and it was, I I don't want to explain it. It wasn't, it definitely like it leaves it leaves a wound on my throat chakra definitely there's there's wounds there there's a lot of hurt there on my mm-hmm. on my throat chakra but Hana gave me the ability to to view the world with love and to acknowledge that whatever it is that I was going through that I was blessed with a gift and the and the gift is creativity because you know I mean like I also went through Bell's palsy in 2018, where God was like, nope, you're gonna, we're gonna semi-paralyze the right side of your body. We're going to make sure that you can't work. And as I was going through all these, you know, phases, as I look back at them, the transitions and the growth and the fear and the, you know, we, I, I tend to, I tended to almost like victimize myself constantly being like, oh, it was because my dad did this or it was because we're South Asian or it's because this or it's because I'm the eldest daughter. And saying that, as I say those things, it stops my breath, like right under my heart. And you feel it heavy. I feel it, I feel mm-hmm. it heavy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because this is these are the wounds. These are the things of my history. I'm going back to acknowledge my inner child. I'm going back to acknowledge that She was never alone. She always had the wild woman. She always had a well within her to express her emotions. But because of the environment that we were in, or that my parents thought that we were in, or maybe because you know, the mental health, you know, awareness wasn't there at the time. Exactly. Yeah. I didn't I didn't have that ability to to express myself without hurting someone else that Mm -hmm. I truly loved. Yeah, and they were like growing up. You know, there was there was a lot of fighting. There was a lot of dad. You need to see me this way because I can't be that person. Or you know, mom. Like, why are you doing this when you know you know you see me? So see me with this vision. And you know, I hearing their stories. Being a married woman now acknowledging their truths. Like I just found out that my dad wanted to be an actor when he was in Karachi, Pakistan. Wow. But he came here as an immigrant at the age of 30, my mom, 24, you know, she had a baby. I was like a wedding baby. It's like, boom, you know, (laughs) Um, and then my sisters came shortly after, but point is that they, their parents saw the war. Mm -hmm. My parents fought inclusivity. You know, they wanted to, they wanted to be embraced by this country. They came here Again, talking about we talked about Shia genocide a little bit earlier, where they came for our freedom and our safety. Because if I wasn't Pakistan today, I would not be able to go outside walking on the streets, you know, openly, freely. Sure, maybe I'd have a driver, but even thinking about that, like, what I have a driver? No, no, no. Like this I, I I I can't take that privilege. I'm not in that role. You know, we cook our own food. There were days, Lindsay, where literally we were like at the dinner table and like. I wanted to make sure my mom was like, my dad eats, my sisters eat. And then because I was older and I was aware of this, my mom was eating like, you know, food that was like cooked from before, whatever. And it was great. And I'm not, I'm not saying that this is a wrong thing. She's very grateful. And she's, she taught us so much. And I love her to death because she's the reason why I'm here. But at the same time, it was like, then I started to eat less. And then when I started to eat again, it was like the emotional addiction, the emotional addiction to eat because I was like, oh my God, I'm not going to survive. I'm not going to survive. I'm not going to survive. Or I don't have enough food on my place. I'm just eating and eating and eating. And then what was happening, I was damaging my solar plexus. I was damaging my personal power. I was Mm -hmm. hurting my Mm self-esteem. So in addressing my story, I'm often mirrored. Mm -hmm. Lindsay, can I just tell you, every single one of my clients comes from some sort of a scarcity mindset. Mm -hmm. Every single one, no matter if she's a CEO, if she's a lawyer, if she's a doctor, if she's literally facing poverty, if she's a refugee, if she's migrating, if she's leaving a toxic abusive relationship, every single one of my clients faces scarcity and lack of self-worth in somewhat shape or or form. So Mm -hmm. I think what's really beautiful about acknowledging self-worth is that, you know, as I, as I rebuild, as I rebuild mine, because it's not about I need self-worth. I've lost self-worth. No, the, the conversation and Hannah as a practitioner is that you already have, you already know that you're worthy. How do we make you see that in your reflection? Yeah, that is important.
0: That's So important. going through
1: that story, this is why I'm a self-worth advocate because women are deserving. They are deserving of equal pay, of safety, of loving families, of acknowledging that if they wish to be an artist, and this is why I chose this path, and moving, of course, into like healthcare and like, you know, getting my master's and all that stuff is important because I realize that it's not that we should distance ourselves from the things that are left-brained or logical. It's that we need to find a way to interweave the left, the logical, actionable with the nurturing, gentle, and compassionate self. And mm-hmm. that is where self-worth comes in because you're not just looking at one side of your body or one side of your brain or your mind or your heart or this, or I'm like a highly sensitive person. So I don't get math or like whatnot because people's, in, you know, emotions are affecting me. Listen, honey, you can create your boundaries. We can teach you how to do that. You know? So I mean, there's so many things about self-worth that I can say, but yeah, I think, yeah, my journey definitely has influenced
0: that. Yeah. And it sounds like When you mentioned, you said a lot of the women that have came to you, you know, they might be like top exact CEOs, entrepreneurs, the scarcity was almost like that ammunition to get them there, to not want to live their adult lives in scarcity, right? So it's really interesting
1: yeah, we wow. all come. We all have survival. Yeah, you know, spider flight. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: you actually have a six-week program called The Art of Self-Worth coming this fall of 2022. What's yes. this program all about? Would you like to yes, share it with absolutely. us? <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: so excited. So basically, it's a, it's a six-week program that allows women to deep dive, to introspect into what is happening? Like, where is the lack of self worth stemming from? What is the root cause? So I have like a holistic nutritionist. I'm the, I'm the spiritual guide and also the art practitioner, the art therapist that comes on board. We have many different individuals. Like we have like a coach. Um, we have a lifestyle coach. We also have this incredible, incredible individual who helps you. Like she's a money, money mindset coach. So she works with like neuro linguistic programming and like teaches women how to like alter their minds into thinking that they can achieve, that they will achieve. And it's not even altering. It's almost like a shift into a belief. Because if you think about it, you wouldn't have moved if you didn't believe that it was possible. Exactly. (laughs) I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't believe that it was possible. Now, with that, there's the ego that gets tainted and then there's the ego that's in leadership. So how do we make sure that the ego that's tainted either just doesn't go away, but how do we embrace her with self-love and acknowledge that this was happening or this ego was here because we're protecting ourselves. And the program teaches us through art, through holistic nutrition, through alternative modalities, meditation, weekly journaling, weekly community sessions with g- women, girls, all, all individuals, trans women coming together and all are invited to basically share what it is that they are lacking and what it is that they need. And we helped to give them that little bit of relief because it's it's six weeks, right? It's not gonna happen all, all together. But it's just really beautiful community space where women can come together, talk about their health, talk about their needs, talk about their sense of individuality. And I swear to you, Lindsay, I offered this in January 2021 from December 2020 to January 2021. And the women that came together, I mean, it was as if like the physical ailments that were there were being, were being healed. Because as they acknowledge their emotions, and this is the, this is the power of the Art of Self-Worth program, because you, you're able to see your emotions in physical areas of your body, which is done through medical intuition. And then you're able to mirror what it is that you want to send to that body. So it's almost like you're talking. It's, it's, it's like a body dialogue. Which many of us can't do on our own, so we need guided practitioners like myself and, and, you know, my community of health and wellness practitioners to help these women see what it is that the what's actually happening when you have acne. We look at, you know, different physical symptoms, illnesses, right? PCOS. What's happening to your body hormonally, and what's the emotion that's there? If you've had your gallbladder removed. You know, we we know this now that in energy medicine, that if you have your gallbladder removed, or if there's gallbladder illnesses, that's suppressed anger. So you need to be able to manage and deal with your anger in a very healthy way. And then we celebrate, of course, every workshop with a beautiful mandala workshop. We do a floral workshop, a floral mandala workshop. We do a henna workshop. And each of these art modalities, you get six art modalities. You get, you know full-time, like seven chakra, like clearing. There's like a cleansing. There's a clearing. You can do your, you're guided with these beautiful, beautiful guides where you can celebrate yourself through ceremony at home. You make your own altar, right? To make your vision board. You know how we all make our 2020 new year. I love it. I Um, love it. two, 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 two affirmations. Yes. Right. There's, there's so many beautiful rituals. So many, there's such a great holistic health and inclusive program to look at the woman's Not only what her needs are, like financially, but what are your needs emotionally? Because again, I'm that individual who's here to choreograph your emotions, right? So emotions can tell us so much. And there's so much emotional intelligence here in in all of us. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing. And I'll definitely link the information in your episode description so people can check it out if they're yes. interested in learning more or signing up. <laughs> okay. We're going to get to this part of the podcast. So can you share with us one or two muses in your life you'd like to give a shout out to?
1: Yes, absolutely. So firstly, on, in terms of muses, I'll be honest with you, the two muses in my life right now are my mother and my mother-in-law. I'll be completely honest with you. And I'm saying this because they faced so many adversities without having the support systems that we have in our lives now. They paved the way so that we could do our healing and also be a vessel of, of light and also to allow people to, to share, you know, their stories, to express, you know, as a creator, as a person that is so privileged to be an artist. I mean, I was broke for a really, really long time and I'm just coming out of that right now, but to be able to practice this and to be able to share these beautiful messages of, of mental health, the importance of emotional choreo, the importance of art, you know, my mother-in-law, you know, she went through like three C-sections. She recently had her gallbladder removed, going through those adversities and, you know, our, our mother is not having a choice. My mother, at least not having a choice to be like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want this right now. Or I don't want a child right now. Like they had children because it was a way of life. Right. they you did, yeah, because it was a way of life. They moved countries because of, it was a way of life. It was a thing to do for their children. For me, I don't want to share anything about my husband without having his consent. But you know, like there was a lot of a lot of issues that they faced, and I think being a woman here in Canada as a Shia Muslim Canadian Pakistani uh, woman that's learning about the power of her own intersectionality and to voice that is very very important. And I couldn't have done that unless my mother and my father had moved here in such a way because I am very outspoken and I'm very direct with some individuals. You know. And um, sometimes, you no, know, and I and it was a really challenging kid to like work with, right? It's like they she gave me that space. And no matter what, Lindsay, no matter what she was going through, she still does this where she's like working. My mother, she comes up from the Montessori and she's like, she calls me at like 605. And I'm like, my, you just finished a nine hour shift. How many hours did you do last week? What, 52 hours on your feet running around with kids? Ma, you're like almost 60. What are you doing? She's like, I'm not 60. I'm like 58 right now. What are You <laughs> You know, I can walk all that I want. And just, you need to take care of yourself, you know? It's like, And I'm like, you have your own voice. You have your personal power is very important. Your self-esteem. You don't have to cook rotis for dad anymore. By the way, do you know how many sugars like rotis have? You guys are <laughs> cooking the right bread. <laughs> it's like, on. It's like, I'm talking to my grandmother. I'm just like, you know, I'm so grateful that she's given me the opportunity. And also- She's, she's allowed me to, to share with her the knowledge that I'm learning. But I'm also now really, really grateful to, to these two muses specifically because I have an incredible mother-in-law and mom who are literally my greatest companion. Like, I just want to say, as, in, as a South Asian woman... Marrying someone who was raised in Pakistan and Saudi Arabia for a woman, she is so I want to say informed, educational. She's a woman's right advocate. She's born on Women's Day, by the way, March Ooh, 8th. She's born. I love on it. It. Yeah, um, of course. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. She's the daughter of an army official. So it's just like in my mom, too, like a daughter of like a governor official. So it's like these two powerful women that have been raised in very loving educational environment are my mother's. And I'm so, so, so grateful. But yeah, those are my two muses. I'm going to be very, very, very honest with you. Yeah. That's beautiful. That make me move in in the way that I move. Yeah. Well, thank you so
0: much for sharing. And I hope that they listen to the episode. So shout out to the moms. (laughs) 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 And yeah, so we're going to get to the follow your bliss finale question. Can you share with us one positive affirmation?
1: Oh my God, one positive affirmation. I actually (laughs) wrote these down, so I'm not sure um, this one right here, but all right. So we're going to take in a deep breath, just allow ourselves to ground, imagining the roots branching from under our feet, the soles of our feet, imagining white light, golden light, whatever color you see, acknowledge it as love that is coming in. As you breathe in, inhale. Inhale love, inhale self-compassion, self-worth, courage, companionship with your breath and exhale. Exhale love into the space that you are in. Acknowledge safety, security, your home, your presence. Continue to take three more deep breaths of love, self-compassion. And exhale and inhale and exhale and inhale all at your own time and as you are here i want you to first acknowledge your name say dear your name i allow myself to see the world without doubt fear and any hesitation my love You have the capability to forgive others who have allowed pain to consume them. You have provided others the opportunity to choreograph their emotions with creativity, love, music, dance, the written language, your body. Acknowledge that you are a gift to allow this world every right to love and express. Allow that you are able to celebrate others while also receiving the blessings of the divine. Here and now, acknowledge this affirmation. I allow the act of celebration to illuminate my life, the paths of darkness, Even when others are mourning and I am mourning, I acknowledge that there is celebration and joy. That every feeling in my body is valid and is teaching me a lesson. And with love, when you are ready, ground yourself, tap your body, wash your body three times with love and come back.
0: Wow, thank you so much. That was so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I just did that everybody while she was saying that.
1: <laughs> my pleasure, my pleasure. Thank you so much, Lindsay. This is such a <laughs> uh, i know it's 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 a lot right? like when you when you acknowledge like mm-hmm. how worthy you are, when yeah. you acknowledge that the breath in your body and
0: connecting with yourself, taking a minute for yourself, whether it's just. Yeah. Two minutes, five minutes, a
1: whole day, Sunday, self-care Sunday. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I like to do those. (laughs) Oh my God, the trends. I couldn't take them. I was just like, what's happening to the wellness industry for a bit? I was just like, self-care Sunday. I'm like, self-care should be every day. every day and it's every day. Lindsay, did you notice like how self-care was being advertised? It was like, people were actually struggling with their self-care because the way that marketing, you know, marketing, the marketing was done. It was like, you got to do it or else you're not taking care of yourself, which is the wrong way to think about it. Because if we think about self-care, we lose the ability to allow it to just, just to be, we allow, we, we, we disconnect from the allowance of presence, right? We disconnect from that. We are taking care of ourselves by just breathing. And when you, put on a marketing campaign or when it's like you know you you put all these words and these messages with it you lose that you know that genuine authentic you know moment of expressing your gratitude of acknowledging your breath of of being in the in the in the presence of of caring for yourself i don't know that was
0: just <laughs> Yeah, no, It's true for sure. Oh,
1: yes. Well,
0: Syra, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and sharing your journey, your wisdom, your inspiration. You are divine. You are the divine feminine of Hannah, <laughs> as I said, like, wow. So I look forward to continuing this friendship and following your journey and, you know, supporting you along the way. And everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode.
1: <laughs> thank you so much, Lindsay, for having me and (laughs) I look forward to connecting with you in the flesh very, very soon.
0: Yes. Okay. Take care and have a beautiful week. You too. Bye. Bye.